Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up, and you may hear a vacuum cleaner that's periodically being switched on and switched off in the background, and that's because we are being good corporate boys today. That's not our side project, which is a noise core or noise band. <laughs> ah, let's get directly in because again, a uh, third week in a row where we've got a surprisingly longish episode. Uh, again, but it's a good one. Yeah, that's also actually that's not a hat trick. That's like. 24 episode trick yeah yeah anyways before we uh, continue tooting up our own horns as usual um by the way this is episode number 25 yo i know but 24 episodes before na i can't be saying 25th episode is also a hat trick or 25 episode trick i mean come on maths peter maths <laughs> okay uh <laughs> Who do we have on the show? Let's just get down to it. So we have someone who we affectionately call Lord Andy, but his country knows him as Andy Dowling of the heavy metal act Lord. Yeah, and it's not just his country. You may know him because he does so many other things. He's a podcaster. He's a social media guru. He is a tour manager. He's the one responsible to get Albatross down under. Yeah, and coincidentally, th- oh, he's a bassist. Oh, he's a bassist. He's a bassist. A big high five to you on that. But you know, it's because of Albatross actually that I know of Lord and of course uh, of Andy. And this is a few years ago when they went down to Australia uh-huh. on their tour. I remember Riju, the bassist for Albatross, coming back and saying, "Hey man, you know, I have like twenty odd CDs uh, of this band, Lord. I think it might be up your alley. It's a heavy metal act." So I was like, "Sure, why not?" Got the CD. And then I was like, hey, he said, oh, you know, by the way, this guy Andy is really uh, active on social media and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, why not? I'll add him on Facebook. And, you know, it's been great kind of the last five, six years following Andy with all the stuff that he's been doing. And finally, we get to talk to him about his band and the album that they just released, Fallen Idols. Yeah. Speaking of which, what did you make of the album? One of the cool things about the album for me is... at every track i was kind of wondering which direction they're going to take <laughs> yeah man and like fr- from the start out itself i mean for the single that they released united it was like balls out heavy i mean like aggressive metal but yeah. if you think that's what the album is all about you got oh, another thing. completely yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, that that opener is one of the most aggressive openers i've heard in recent times because i don't know why but the trend nowadays is to start off with a atmospheric ambient uh, piece or what people used early call intro and have the last track as outro <laughs> yeah exactly but then this one completely went the way of the wicker man uh and by that i mean it's out and out crushing riffs um it's such a good party album yeah and and it's truly meant for just metalheads all around the world i i mean th- the great way that they've described the album is a mixtape yeah it's not a concept album it's not and i haven't really heard many bands refer to the album as a mixtape so yeah. it's kind of different and be so be so like okay with the fact yeah. that hey it's all right we don't want to be uh bungled under some weird obscure subgenre or anything of that sort we are just heavy metal and we are proud of the fact that we are just heavy metal yeah i love them for that yeah and it's cool because they don't kind of call themselves you know 80s rock or melodic rock or you know extreme metal they're just metal yeah 
thrash power stoner doom <laughs> melodic core the stoner part <laughs> hey, i Andy, was just trying to i was just trying to create this weird <laughs> hashtag genre for them which then they could own hey andy <laughs> if you're listening to this and tim also you'll missed out on the stoner part <laughs> maybe next time yeah <laughs> maybe next idea. time anyways we digress again let's get back yeah. let's get back let's get back and let's get right down to andy dowling our guest today wears many hats musician podcaster gig promoter social media guru and then some welcome andy from lord hey guys thank you very much for having me uh yeah i i, I do wear a few hats <laughs> <laughs> and affectionately i want to call you lord andy lord oh, andy. thank you very much that's yeah, so, a, yeah. <laughs> usually it's tim that gets uh, the lord tim all the time so it's nice to it's nice to have that at least for an hour anyway so thanks guys i uh, <laughs> i love the i love the lord andy i'll, I'll take it and run with it yeah we've been, we've been like wherever we've been doing uh, just talking to each other about okay about setting this up or just sharing questions etc we've just been typing in lord andy everywhere and it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i love it while we were discussing stuff we realized that you know what it's been a he- quite a hectic few weeks for you i mean i've been following your tour on social media across australia and it looked like great tell us what it was all about man how was it like playing those shows after all that yeah. planning everything put together oh man like at the moment i mean you know we're doing we're having this these conversations and um, do a bit of press and everything again but it's so nice now to sit back and just sort of look back at what the last few weeks have been because it's been it's been crazy i mean we as you said we've we've just done this tour around australia and and it it didn't go to plan in the sense that we were going to release uh, our brand new album fallen idols we were meant to release it earlier in the year so i i pretty much book everything for the band so i'm booking the, the shows the tour everything and so i thought okay so the album's going to come out uh, say the end of april and we're going to start touring in uh, june okay great so i start booking everything locking in all the venues getting the bands the promoters everything and then all these delays start happening nothing went to plan and so suddenly the release date get, kept getting pushed back and it was going to be the end of may then it was going to be june and i thought oh oh like we're going to be doing a tour for our album that doesn't even exist it's not even out yet and uh the release date ended up getting pushed back to the 1st of august which was a big stress for us but um we made it work uh we made a decision to to uh have the album ready for people at the shows and we figured we'll, we'll let them have an early copy of the album so that people could buy mm-hmm. the CD at the show which people liked um and it was a lot of fun it was um we got to go around the country and play to a lot of old friends and meet a lot of new ones and we sold a lot of merchandise which is always good it's always good for for us and um and it set us really it set us up really well for the launch date for the for the album so um it came out uh, last week and it's just been it's been fantastic so a big build up lots of running around uh i feel like my head was cut off at one point just trying to work it all out and i was about to have a mental breakdown but um but it's it's worked out really well one testament of the fact how well the album is doing is the update i saw yesterday which is the yeah the fallen idols is number 20 on the Australian artists of the area if i get it correct yeah the australian artists uh, album charts and number 2 on the australian independent music charts so clearly you guys did a great job my question is has the album lived up to the expectations 
and what were your expectations in the first place to begin with oh that's a that's a hard one because you i think what you have in your head and what you think something's going to be and what it, what the final product is going to be is usually very different it's like all of us when we have an idea in our heads and then we actually start to try and attempt to do the idea it never it never goes to plan um yeah. but we like we haven't released a, an album in 6 years it's been a long time but in between we've we put out EPs we've re-recorded old um dungeon songs we put out box sets we've done a live album we've done heaps of stuff but we hadn't done a, a studio a studio album in 6 years and so probably about 3 years ago or so we we started talking about it a little bit more seriously and we thought well what do we want to do which direction do we want to go and there was a couple of big things that we decided one of them was that we wanted to just make a very sort of Oh, it's a very cliche term, but a very balls to the wall heavy metal album. Just something that's just straight up, um, no mucking about, and something that people can instantly or very quickly identify with and enjoy. Uh, so we needed all the guitar solos, we needed the big choruses, we needed all those classic heavy metal riffs, everything in there, all those key ingredients. And we wanted to take parts of the the songs and the elements that people already loved from us. So from previous albums like Set in Stone and Digital Eyes and Ascendance and even uh, all the Dungeon Era albums as well, finding all the great little parts that have come from our legacy, our history, and try and mash it all together and make this album. So we just wanted this very sort of straightforward heavy metal album, and I think we've done that. I think I think we're we've we've pretty much done that. Um, I don't think we expected that it would come out exactly like this, um, but it's I think it's more or less sort of fallen into play into into place where we wanted it to go. But the second thing that we really wanted to do with this album and uh i don't know i think i think we've i think we've hit it um is that tim told a story to us about when he was growing up in broken hill and he spoke about the old school mixtape and mm-hmm. he he would have these parties you know like we, when we all grow up and we're listening to music we'd get it we somebody would be in control of the music you know and someone would be playing you know whatever it is to to, to keep the party going and so you would have these mixtapes where everyone would put together their favorite songs but it would be a mixture of everything it'd be everything from bon jovi to bathory to creator to Dokken to slayer to whatever and it was just this mis- mix mash of just stuff like all these different bands and but it was all kind of metal it was all guitar driven music it was all heavy music in a way like i mean bon jovi maybe a little bit of exception but they he had even some some fairly sort of guitar driven heavy sort of music in in places in the 80s and um there was no elitism there was no subgenres yeah. there's no sort of you know turning the nose up at something go oh you like that music oh you know what are you so it was it was just this love of music and so tim's like i want to do that i want that energy i want that excitement where it's it's that you don't it's a good song like a good song's a good song and that's it and so we'll bring in all these elements of all the songs the artists the bands that we love over the years that we've grown up with and see if we can create our ultimate mixtape and do it in a way that is not dated so when you listen to it you don't feel like oh god i'm listening to something straight from the 80s it sounds so out of date but it's got a modern production it's got that real sort of fresh clean sound very crisp sound and it can it can stand up against anything else out there that's being released today so i think we've i think we've sort of done that i don't think we expected that it would turn out the way that it has but i think we've the concepts the all those objectives that we had with the album three odd years ago um, have been fulfilled and the feedback that we're getting from people so far has been uh, been super cool as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a lot has been said already about the mixtape nature of Fallen Idols. And I'd like to just explore that talking point in a few ways. First up, uh, I'd like to understand what does an album mean to Lord? Is it a collection of songs or is it a body of work that's well cohesive in some manner? And it's, I'm asking this obviously in the context of what Fallen Idols is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's look, I think one of the the challenges that we as Lord have had over the years is that we we don't stick to one genre. So if people know us and they say, Oh well they're they're kind of a power metal band, you know. But if people have listened to a lot of our songs, we've got you know, we've got the AOR sort of rock ballad in there. We've got the the very European power metal song, got the very US power metal song. We've got melodic death metal riffs in there. We've got blast beats. We've got sort of black and thrash riffs and, and sort of harsher vocals and all sorts. And it's been a challenge for us because people struggle to work out what we're all about. So people that aren't familiar sort of in the past have probably thought, well, it's just this mash of songs that probably don't make sense, you know. Well, who, who, do they even know what they are, you know? And so we we, we want to keep doing that because we just love metal. We love everything that's associated. We love rock and metal. We love, like, we just love music. So I think with this album, we still went down that path of bringing in lots of different stuff and the songs themselves are all individual in the sense that there's no theme to the overall album as such. Like, they don't link into each other and follow a storyline or, or anything. But they're they're structured in a way in the album that there's flow they flow into each other um there's an overall sound that we've developed that when you're listening to it there's a cohesive there's a cohesive flow to the album that people can it doesn't sound completely sort of uncomfortable when you're listening to it going oh what i don't know where i'm up to i don't know what's going on with this album so i think we're starting to finally find that formula that's fitting a lot better than it has in the past so um, it is a collection of songs, um, but we've tried to, I guess, frame it in a way where, going back to that concept of the mixtape, it's like, it's this ultimate mixtape, but it's, uh, but it's, it sounds like Lord, and I think that's what we've really tried to work hard on. Okay. Uh, did the decision to let this be a mixtape type of album free up any constraints on writing songs? As in, now you don't have to have a visible cohesiveness as such, right? Apart from sound and obviously staying to staying true to Lord's level of quality? I think it did. I think in a way, um, I think we we really wanted to channel that excitement that we all had when we were growing up. I mean, I th- you guys would be in the same position, like when we all first got into metal and discovered music, you know, whether it be, like for me, like a reoccurring story, um, and you guys have probably heard it in the past, is, you know, when I first saw Fear of the Dark on, on TV, live at Donington, <laughs> Iron Maiden, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't work out what I was what I was watching. I just didn't understand it. I was my jaw was may as well have been on the ground, and I was rewinding it, watching it again. All the people, the chants, the guitars, everything it was just the most incredible thing. And you know, getting into other bands like Metallica and Megadeth and all this stuff, and just all these defining moments where you're just like, oh wow, like I I don't know, like my life is changing before my eyes. Like I just I've never experienced anything like this, and so we wanted. We wanted that, and so for us, we that was basically one of the only rules. Is like we wanted that energy, and it sort of took the it took the the leash off us in the sense that let's throw in riffs and, and sections of songs that we absolutely love, and you know just 
go in whatever direction works and really sort of throw ideas in the, into the melting pot and if they stick they stick and if they don't they don't and and then once they get through the machine being the songwriting process and, and arranging them all as long as they come out the other end sounding like lord then that's that's the only the only main rule at the end of the day um so there's a lot of freedom around this album where it was it was just very exciting to watch it all come together because we just we just we went we went back we went back to those early days and went what why why do we love this music why do we love metal so much and uh, it just brought back a lot of great memories. How much of a love letter is Fallen Idols to all the idols? And now I can uh, see it when I when I hear it and say this out loud. Uh, idols uh, is it because you're looking back at uh, all your collective influences of sorts? You're paying homage to them, tribute to them. I know there are a lot of Easter eggs in this album. It encourages people to go back to your earlier discography, listen through that. It it shows off the kind of music that you guys were all into. So how is it right for me to say that this is a collective love letter to everybody or to all the musical influences that Lord has had? I think I think I think in some ways, yes. I think it's it's a celebration of why we're here like why why are we doing this like why are we in this thing called a band like why don't we play music you know and it's a very similar story all over the world with people that love metal or play and play in bands like we it's you're not in it to make money you know there's very few of us out there that are that are making money off heavy metal music uh you know it's probably the the most uh the most exciting time to be able to do that these days but um, you know, we we do it because we love it, and so it's. I think there's a lot of reflection in this album, where we sort of look back and and try to reconnect and and understand where we've come from and try to almost recalibrate in a way. Sort of look back and go, ah, that's that's why we do it. You know, that's why we're here. You know, and we've certainly had our our ups and downs over the years where we've sort of looked at each other and thought have we got something better to be doing in our lives? Because this is really tough, you know. This is this is a very, these are some really difficult moments uh, that have happened along the way with, you know, broken relationships or, you know, people losing money or just, you know, just tension and and opportunities lost or just people getting ignored or whatever it might be. And it's just, a, it's a typical thing that every, every musician goes through, regardless of being a, a metal musician or not, but, um, you know, for us going through this process and now sort of seeing the album out there and people responding to it and and also interpreting it their own way um it's it's a big sort of reflection so it's i haven't heard anyone say uh, a love letter but i love that i think that's a it's a great way of describing it and uh, i can certainly see um and i can see how that could that could definitely be the case all right just continuing on with fallen idols i mean you mentioned this earlier with this is your first studio album after six years. And you did talk about like the last three years, but how much of the time was like spent on each song and how much of time was spent revisiting them? I mean, you know, there is the expectation that, you know, this is your first album after so long. So there would have been some sort of pressure into like perfecting them or is the song ready for release? So could you take us through that process? Yeah, it was... It's funny because when you're when you're in the moment and when you first have these ideas, you don't expect that uh, you know the album will be out in three years' time. You you sort of when you we make those decisions several years ago, we sort of think, 
well, okay, so we'll start uh, we'll start getting ideas together in the next couple of months, and then maybe by the end of the year we'll have everything ready. Then we'll do a release date in a few months after that, and then you know all these different things happen. Life gets in the way. There's delays of of, of all sorts of different uh, reasons, and and so we didn't sort of think that the timeline was going to be you know three odd years. It was just a case that it sort of dragged out. But over that time, because we've had delays and because things stretched out longer than we anticipated. I think it gave everybody more time to sort of really analyse and look at what we had put together. So Tim and Mark were pretty much the primary songwriters on the album um, and we've always sort of taken the approach with um, any of the releases in the past is it's the right tools for the right job. So if somebody's feeling it and they've got the the mojo, so to speak, and they're feeling that that creative energy, then we let them go. And it just, as long as it comes out, Lord, then that's that's all that matters. But um, Tim had song ideas in his head. You know, he he's a freak when it comes to to songwriting. He doesn't record anything. He doesn't write it down anywhere. And he keeps telling us, he goes, oh, I've got this, uh, I've got this song that's, um, you know, it's going to be very sort of classic heavy metal riff, uh, very sort of Megadethy, um, you know, skin of my teeth style sort of stuff, countdown era, <laughs> uh, blah blah blah. And we're like, oh yeah, cool, sounds awesome. And he's, and I said, I'm like, have you got? Have you, do you want to send me a, a riff or something? He's like, no, no, it's in my head. And I'm like, oh, so what? You've just got a riff? He's like, no, I've written the whole song. And I'm like, what do you mean you've written the whole song? And he's like, no, I've, I've got it in my head. And I can't, I, I don't know how he does it. And then eventually, you know, a year later, I forget all about it. And then he sends through a demo that he's whipped up in the studio and it's this song. And I listen to it and I go, wow, this is this song you were talking about 12 months ago. He's like, yeah. He goes, oh, just this <laughs> afternoon I decided to uh, just get the guitar out and actually put it, put it, record it. And I'm like, so you've remembered it for at least 12 months. He's like, oh, well, probably two years because I've already had it in my head for a year before I told you. And I'm like, what the hell? So he's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> and he's always done that he's just and that's uh, that's his one of his many talents but um mark stood stood up for this album and, and contributed heavy heavily to the album as well but over over the three years um the demos have evolved and the arrangements have changed little things have been tweaked and sections have been taken out or trimmed and, and refined and i think while i think that all of us would agree that we would have preferred the album to be out a lot earlier than what it has. I think in hindsight, it's probably worked out in our favour because I think the songs have had more time to sit, um, to be polished, so to speak. And um, and I think I think we sort of got to a point where we've we've done enough with these songs. I don't think we can polish them anymore. I think we have to let them go, let them get out into the world, and and let people enjoy them. But um, I think time sort of worked with us um, in that sense. I have to ask you, how did you how did you approach the album sound? And I ask this because each track could have, you know, sounded different because of the kind of tracks they are. And that would have been really a ballsy move to have done that. But how did you guys approach this um, just formulating this unifying sound of each instrument and do it to such perfection? Because that's one of the standout things for me on the album. I love the way it sounds. Well, thank you, um, and I'm, I'm sure Tim would be extremely uh, delighted to hear that because it was not easy. It was extremely painful. Um, Tim, so Tim's been engineering, producing our albums uh, almost since day dot. I mean, there's been very few sort of releases over the years where we've had additional people come in and, and assist in the studio. Um, and Tim has over the years just continuously improved his own skills and expertise and experience. So um, he 
he's very knowledgeable when it comes to production and he's had a lot of experience recording other bands now over the past uh, 10 odd years. And he, um, he sort of had a bit of an idea of what he wanted to, wanted to sound like. He wanted to change uh, the guitar tones a little bit from what we've done in the past. And he, I think also we've sort of lived in this uh, era of compression where mm-hmm. things are just, just, uh, like even just the volume levels are just being ridiculous and you sort of lose definition in these songs. And, and I think Tim sort of hated that in a way. And it's just been, you know, there's a lot of formula sounds out there with um, particular producers um, in the metal world and particular albums, which sound like this producer or sound like that producer. And, and some of it's great and some of it's not. Um, it's almost very sort of, you, you drop the songs into a template and then they just sound like this production and that's it. Um, so, it was a very painful process in the sense that we had to, we had that challenge where we had very different songs, but we had to make them sound similar, like in production, they had to have a similar sort of sound, a similar mix, similar production to it. And um, there's a lot of trial and error. Um, There's a lot of uh, test mixes that were sent out. And we, um, so the way that we do it, and I'm sure if any, uh, any professionals out there uh, listening to me explain this are going to cringe, but, you know, basically what we did is we did test mixes and then we, we all uh, sent each other files and we would listen to these test mixes on every possible device that we could think of. <laughs> shitty shitty laptop speakers, old desktop speakers, stuff from like 20 years ago, an old classic stereo, um, car, car stereos, old ones, new ones, um, an old boom box, um, straight off the phone with the speakerphone. Um, through iPhone headphones, everything. And what we're trying to do is work out where people listen to music and where was that balance going to be. So we weren't going to nail just one and then the rest of them are neglected. We had to try and find a way that found, found that, that would find that balance across all those mediums. And it was so difficult. Um, a lot of debate where people thought certain things needed to sound a certain way. Um, so, and I would call them polite debates. Um, but uh, <laughs> we, we eventually... We eventually got there, and um, I'm sure there's, there's a lot more technical aspects to it that uh, Tim would, would be able to share, which uh, would go right over my head, but I know that we spent a hell of a lot of time trying to work this out because we knew that very quickly your sound can can be dated. Um, I think just the way that everything in our lives, technology, like just the world is changing so rapidly and it's very hard to keep up. We've got to constantly innovate and get better and better and better. So we had to we had to put something out there that was at least going to last a few years before it sounds dated. So we had to make sure it was real cutting cutting edge and something that was going to cut through that noise and and uh, and get the responses like you just said, where where that production is is something that's noticed and that's a really great thing to 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 hear. Yeah, yeah, it completely is. I mean, out and out kudos to the band for achieving a master that's really dynamic it lets the music and the instruments breathe it's not compressed it's very well balanced i'm sure the album must have been a pain to mix and master i mean beyond beyond just the songs and how they are there's so much going on there's the samples there's the uh, different vocal styles there's your bass playing which is which is very fucking awesome um, <laughs> there's just so much going on uh, it, 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 and I'm sure post-production would have taken a lot of time. It, it, it did. And, I mean, one of, the, one of the other things that's probably worth noting is 
um, there is a lot going on in these songs. So, as you said, so going back to what I said before, where we wanted to release this album, which was very straightforward, heavy metal album, if you listen to it for the first time and you're not paying complete attention to the album, it is what it is. It's very sort of, it's catchy, it's instantly relatable or very quickly relatable for people. They, they identify with it and enjoy it. Um, but the more that you listen to it, the more that you start to hear a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff in the mix. And what Tim did, um, and we'll we'll release them separately later on. I think you can get them on on our Bandcamp pages, uh, downloads. But he's done uh, extended mixes of a couple of the songs off the album where um, he's just changed the mix completely. So he's reduced or he's taken out guitars in certain parts and brought out um, different synths and different uh, sort of backing guitars where there's a bit of lead work that's just lightly sort of working in the background. And um, it just brings a whole different texture to these songs. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen those old classic albums series where they sit in the studio and they start mucking around with the mix and they take the bass out or oh, they yeah. isolate the bass. <laughs> and, yeah, and so we... like <laughs> And we, justice we, yeah, and we, we do that, like, we do that at Tim's studio for a laugh. We're sitting there and Tim's like, listen to this. I'll, I'll take my vocals out and I'll, I'll, I'll take out the, the main rhythm guitar and, and listen to all these things. Go, I'm going, wow, that sounds so cool. He's like, it's all in there. I'm like, how do we hear it all? Like, how's the, how's the person who's going to buy the album hear it? And he's like, I don't know, but I'm going to try. So, and we just... So I must, we'll, uh, yeah. I have to interrupt. Is that why you have the karaoke version of the album also? <laughs> well... Look, I think the yes, part part reason because I think the songs have a different sound altogether when you remove the vocals. No offense to Tim, but there's the <laughs> you know, Tim's vocal. Tim's vocals are fantastic, but the songs definitely have a different life when you remove them. And um, I think it just there's look, we've we in Australia and it's and I'm sure it's the same. Actually, it'd be the same in India for sure. Extreme metal's massive, you know, and yeah. and there's amazing bands. Extreme metal in the past, well, you know. The extreme metal bands for the past several decades have been incredible, but in the last probably 10, 10 or so years, the extreme metal scene has just exploded. It's massive. There's so many great bands out there. And for many of us here in Australia, like a lot of other places, our peers all play in death metal bands, in black metal bands, in like sort of, you know, these sort of crossover hardcore metalcore bands or it, just these harder edge bands that sound nothing like us. But you know, we, we tour with these bands. We have these great relationships with them. And one thing that we've heard from a lot of them over the years is that, oh, we love your music, but it's just the vocals, man. Oh, I just can't do the vocals. <laughs> and so we laugh, and, and Tim doesn't take offense. He's like, yeah, I get it. And then we've always joked and said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll cut a mix for you. We'll take the vocals out, and you can just listen to the, to the album without vocals. And we just, we just joke about it. And I think there's a bit of a, a, bit of a, uh, a link back to that as well to, to do the karaoke thing. But I think what we're hoping with the karaoke uh, songs is that down the track, when we've got a bit of time is once uh, people get really familiar with the songs, we might try and encourage a few people to do their own versions uh, of vocal work on these songs. And, and if they, if they feel daring enough, um, put up a YouTube video of them singing uh, some of our songs just to see what happens and we might reward them. But um yeah, I think that that karaoke disc could be the gift that keeps on giving. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fun on that one. Animesh, I have a perfect idea. Horns up mix. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know what will be interesting? You know what will be interesting? Um, Metallica when they uh, when they did that uh, 
there's that game which you can play in which you have to play a guitar connected into yes. a video game thing oh, yeah. a rock show or something they release guitar. like a lot of yeah a guitar hero they release a lot of songs and then because they had to release the stems to for people to either play the bass or the drums or the guitar etc you have like a variety of mixes online of people who've just taken the stems and mixed them in their own way so you got like and justice for all completely remastered with the bass uh, with the bass actually audible on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well i wish it would be killer oh. for lord to to for you guys to release something like that and then allow people to play around with the mix too create your own oh. lord album <laughs> for, sh- for sure and you know what it's not that crazy of an idea uh, tim's spoken about this a lot in the past i mean he's a big like he, he this is his bread and butter this is what he breeds he loves he loves producing he loves mixing he he's got such an ear for it and he's spoken about in the past he's like i we should put a like put a competition out there for people we'll we'll give them all the stems uh, you know from for an album and and just see what they do with it you know because we we all grew up with um those 80s 12-inch ex- extended mixes yeah. of of those classic pop songs which have got these crazy bass lines and these synths that pop up and 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 it's just these ama- amazing arrangements and you just listen to oh wow so it sounds so cool and the ambience is incredible and so we've always fantasized about that sort of stuff and we've done little bits and pieces uh, through through our uh, sort of career as a band um so that idea is is it, look, we may, we may do it. We may actually do it. And uh, now that the album's sort of out of the way, um, and I think especially when people talking about the production as well, um, I think it's probably a really good opportunity to to have fun with a lot of that stuff. You know, coming back just to the, uh, the album and also your sound, would you say there is a Lord sound? And how would you define it? Well, I think there is a Lord sound. How I would define it, I have no idea. Um, it's, it's, it's a, and, and this has been like, even talking about it earlier, like the challenge that we've had with how we're pigeonholed, like how people describe us is very, very difficult. And so we've almost given up in the sense and just said, Hey, we're a metal band. We're a metal band. We're a heavy metal band. And that's about it. You know, we're, we're a melodic metal band, which we can't even say that anymore because we we've, we've got a lot of sort of heavier stuff in there that it's not always melodic, but, um, I think, it's a very difficult thing. I think maybe maybe Tim would have a better a better chance of answering it. But I think yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, I think I think guitar it's it's guitar driven music, but that's not even a description. I mean, it's there's a crisp there's a crisp element to our sound where it's there's a lot of definition in the sound where each instrument pops, um, and yeah, I like I really struggle to define what our sound is. It's a very difficult mm. thing, and it's been a constant so, challenge for us. So I think this will be a good time to add. I still remember, like when we got the promo copy for the album, uh, mm. Animation. And I listened to it separately, and I we were comparing notes. And uh, I think Animation will tell this better, but he kind of dropped me a line saying. Hey, did you listen to that first song? So I was like, Yeah, what about it? Like, <laughs> oh, I know where you're going with verse. it. He's like, Listen to that first verse. Doesn't the riff there sound like Meshuga? And then it just got stuck in my head. And I was like, Oh my God, now I can hear Yen Skinman singing over it instead of the high pitched vocals. Well, that's incredible because you, uh, Petty, sent me that, that message and I laughed so hard because. I don't think any of us in the, I mean, I've probably heard a couple of Meshuggah songs, maybe, 
but the guys in the band, no one would be able to pick out a Meshuggah song. Uh, not that we don't <laughs> like them, but it's just one of those bands we never got around to really listening to. Um, so to hear that is super cool because it just shows that the the music is evolving without even us having any control over it. You know, we we put our own ingredients into the melting pot, but people are able to mm. identify and, and hear different things that even we didn't realize were in there. And that's and that's so cool. It's just so so cool. And I would never, never, ever expect anybody to compare anything that we've ever put out with Meshuggah. So if 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 anybody ever brings up that in conversation, I'll say, hey man, we've got a song that sounds like Meshuggah. So you should check that out. <laughs> and I'll watch people freak out. So I, I, I'm so thankful that you shared that with me because that's uh, that's really cool. That really made my day. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one of the uh, highlights of this particular album. It's the fact that every metalhead can listen to it and automatically draw references and kind of just chase various. Uh, uh, sounds and take it back home and them. And I think that's why this album is resonating so much because it encourages the fan in you to come out. It's exactly yeah. what you guys were setting out to do, which is a backyard party. Yeah, it's like even even all of our friends that are that like to be ultra serious with their selection of metal. You know, our our some of our extreme metal fans who are very elitist and very very serious and they'll they'll turn their nose up at, at particular genres of music because oh like why would you listen to that all those guys for the most part started off with bands like iron maiden judas priest metallica megadeth slayer and then they progressed from there then they discovered more bands after that and there's nothing wrong with that but this album like for us I and mean, we just wanted people just to i guess relax a bit and just just remember why they got into music in the first place why they got into heavy music and just be able to identify in their own way, their own story, like where to like throw back those memories and go, oh man, I remember first getting, I remember those, I remember that energy, that electricity of, of discovering metal, or even when I first decided to discover heavier music, like the more extreme stuff and go, what the hell is this? This, this doesn't even like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm listening to, but it sounds so cool. And it's just those feelings that, um, that people are starting to identify from the album. And I, Yes, like some of it was like we we wanted some of this stuff to happen, but you never know until it's out there and until people are listening to it and and to hear you guys sort of say that as well just validates a lot of that, which is just just it's it's awesome. It's really really cool to to know. Right. One more thing about the album is you know you did uh, mention there was an earlier release date plan, but you worked that very well and you've if I may say, put out a great release strategy where, you know, you had the T-shirt put out, you had the single put out initially, uh, and then you kind of built a buzz around it, and then you had people get the album at the shows itself. Was there any other kind of move? How did you kind of work that around? Of course, the most obvious being the change in date. Like, I think I think there's a lot of things that are unpredictable. Like we didn't know what was happening, and a lot of, there was a lot of frustration earlier this year about what was going on, and um, there was a constant state of not panic, but we're just scrambling all the time. Just like we felt like we we're chasing our tails. Um, but we always, I think each each point along the way, we sort of just looked at it and thought, what can we do to make the most of the situation that we're in? Like we. Like sometimes we can't control what happens. Like you know, people yeah. don't get back to us, or there's delays, or something happens. Someone someone lets us down, but you know, we still have things that we can do. 
And instead of sitting there and complaining about it, what what can we do to make the most of the situation? And and so we we decided like let's let's drip feed things out. Let's let's tease things. Let's give people a taste of where where the album's going. Let's get people excited and start to build hype, even though we don't know exactly when this album's coming out. Let's just try to create some momentum and, and get it going and and those ideas of things like selling the album before the release date of the shows i mean there was a bit of risk there because we didn't want it out there on torrents and we just had to cross our fingers and trust our our, our friends that were coming out to these shows that they weren't going to go and upload it straight to a torrent when they got home and uh <laughs> and we we're lucky it didn't it didn't happen from what i could see um mind you release date within about two hours they were all over south american and russian torrents but that's another story um but it's um you know it was it was something that in the moment we sort of thought we've got a tour coming up we need a product we need to sell we need to sell merchandise we need to recoup some of our money but we also need to build this momentum and this hype so what do we do like what can we what are the possibilities and so you start to think in an unorthodox approach where you you go well bands don't normally do this but why can't we? And so you start to ask these questions, and the more you ask the questions, the more you start to realise that sometimes you make you you make decisions without thinking them through, and then you realise that there's actually a lot of a lot of great opportunities that you can do with what you've got. And you know, some of it wasn't terribly glamorous. I mean, you know, we did the shows and we we sold sold the CDs and the merchandise and everything, but a lot of it was us getting on social media and direct messaging our friends that we've known for 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 years. I've I've got an old Excel spreadsheet that's about 10 years old that I've dumped e email addresses in from old orders from, you know, different versions of our online stores that I've just managed to keep all the data from and reach out to these people and reconnect with them, you know, people from, like, right around the, ch the time that we changed from Dungeon to Lord and um, just saying, hey, uh, you know, if you're interested, we're, we're just about to release an album, you can pre-order it and blah, 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 let us know if you need any help or whatever, if you've got any questions. And it was painstaking, tedious work, but it helped drive those sales. It helped drive the hype, and people felt like they were a part of it because we were connecting directly with people. We weren't just relying solely on, like, a PR firm or, you know, a label or whatever to do our marketing. We just took a grassroots approach and thought, let's just say hello to as many people as possible. And um, it's worked really well. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, getting into the, uh, the Australian art, um, album charts, um, that wasn't that was through a self-release, completely independent. You know, no no distribution in in record stores in Australia. Um, we sold it directly from our online store, and it shows. Um, we did it without any big PR budget or anything like that. No mainstream radio whatsoever. Um, even some of the mainstream radio stations that play metal, for whatever reason, I have no idea why, have not played any Lord, and I don't know what the go is there. But that's another story. But without all of that stuff, and we got into we got into the charts, and so we just looked at each other and went, "We can do this. This is super cool. Like the possibilities are endless." And and because we were forced into a corner at times, we we were forced to be creative. We had to think outside the box because we kind of had no choice. We either crash and burn, or we try and salvage and make the most of the situation. And I think um, I think we've done a really good job with what we've got. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that it was a complete mess because I don't know if we would have got the same results if uh, if things ran completely smoothly. <laughs> and I must add about the charts, uh, which I didn't mention earlier, is that you guys are two places below my son's favourite band, which is the Wiggles. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty surreal. Uh, I never thought yeah. ever in my life that I'd be on the same charts as the Wiggles. But um, I'll, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> All right. So Andy, we've spoken a lot about Fallen Idols. Uh, we'd like to play a track from the album on the pod. Which one should we play, and why? Oh, good question. I mean, one of the one of the coolest things that I've seen so far over the over the past week, um, in particular after the album's come out, is that everybody has a different favorite song. Um, there's no like in the past, it might be just one or two songs that everybody's put all their attention on, but this album, like every song, is getting referenced, and it's just it's amazing. So, um, I think. Um, I mean, I could go in so many different directions, but I think for for me, um, probably one of the coolest songs that I like because I've we've started playing it live on the tour, um, and it's a very sort of straight up heavy metal song, so to speak, using air quotes, is "Kill or Be Killed." I think it's very Judas Priest. Um, people will listen to that. Yeah. Like, oh my god! Like they're they're total total priest. They're doing total priest worship here, um, and we're unashamed to do so, and. Um, mm. And it's just this really heavy riff. It's got this gang vocal chorus. It's just it's just really, really cool. It's a bit of a cheesy whoa section in, in the middle of it. And um, it's just old school heavy metal. And I and I really love it. So um yeah, let's 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 do that one.
Andy, we've spoken a lot about, you know, the album. Let's have some fun now. I know you did <laughs> talk a little bit about this earlier, but take us back to your roots, man. Um, how did Andy become a metalhead? Whoa, man. Um, so, I, I mean, I got into music like a lot of people. You know, you just listen to whatever's on the radio. You know, I had a... I had a compilation cassette tape, like the best of the best 92 that had uh, a bunch of pop artists on it. And I think it had uh, Salt and Pepper's Let's Talk About Sex and and Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> Achy Breaky Heart, like disgusting songs on there. Um, but, you know, there was like Mr. Big and, and a, f- a few rock rock songs and YouTube and whatever. Um, and so that's, I think, it's similar to a lot of other people. You just listen to like catchy songs, pop songs and all that. And uh um, it wasn't until because I didn't have any, I didn't don't have any older brothers or sisters or anything. No one that I sort of was a hammy. It was no hammy down music. Uh, I sort of had to discover it myself. So it wasn't until I was in early high school where um, kids started to bring music to school, and they had older brothers and or sisters and would be sharing music. So some of those first bands were bands like you know it was more punk stuff it was like offspring and uh and pennywise and and bands like that and and so that was kind of cool like uh you know offspring sort of had these sort of metallic kind of riffs and they were really fast and and sort of high energy sort of stuff and i was like oh wow this is like this is this is pretty cool like it's very very sort of intense sort of music and then uh someone gave me a really crappy dubbed cassette of injustice for all and I didn't know what the hell I was listening to. I, initially, I listened to it and I thought, I, I, I don't think I like this. Like, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. The only song that I, I kind of liked was One, which, you know, there's no surprise there because that ended up being, like, that was their single. But um, the songs were long, you know, the mix was obviously very different to, to what Offspring was doing. There's and, no bass uh, <laughs> There's no bass on it, that's right. And, and, <laughs> it's but, one of my uh, biggest, biggest, biggest songs. <laughs> Oh man, but but at the time, like it was just it was. I mean, I didn't I didn't know what I was listening to. I didn't really even know what bass was at the time. But it was just there was it sounded different. It was different. I didn't know if I liked it. It had a completely different sound to what I was listening to beforehand. But after a while, it was just this vibe that I got from that album. It was dark. It was moody. It was it was angry and. And then the, and I realised how complicated the songs were. There was just so many different sections that I couldn't remember what had happened beforehand and what was coming next. And and I became obsessed with it. I was just it was just like like the title track, like you know that that song and the twists and turns on that song are just so cool. And the way that it just sort of wraps around and comes back to 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 square one at the end of that song. And you know and then songs later in the track like Freight Ends of Sanity and Dyer's Eve and all that. And it's just it was this angsty, heavy, dark, moody album. And I was like, whoa, I, th- I think I get it now. Or, or I think I, I think I get it. And um, and then I just started to dig in a bit deeper. So I was like, oh, have you got any more of that Metallica band? You know, I didn't know who they were. I thought they were, I, I even thought they were Australian because I had no idea. I didn't <laughs> even know bands. I, I just, I had no clue about music at all. And, uh, and so eventually I started to hear more and more. And, uh, slowly began to become obsessed, you know, obsessed with Metallica to begin with. Um, I had a Metallica website when I was in high school. I had a GeoCities um, Metallica website, which I had just a bunch of photos of James Hetfield on there, and and it was just the cheesiest, dumbest thing in the world. But, you know, I loved it. I loved Metallica. I was just so into it. But, um, you know, then the taste expanded, you know. It was 
I discovered what the big four were. And then I, dis- I started to discover what European metal was and all the British heavy metal. And, and it just became this, oh, my God, look, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. There's so many, so many things to listen to. I don't have enough time in the day. And, uh, and it just... It just I just never looked back after that. And and over the years I've certainly embraced lots of different styles of music and found lots of other really cool things out there. But um metal's just been this incredible thing that's been life changing for me. It's it's made me the person I am today and and the friendships that I have, um, you know, the experiences, the travel around the world, the the relationships I've forged, it's just been been incredible man it's uh, it's been very cool right from that uh, really crappy dubbed injustice for all cassette to now it's uh, been a big journey i'm i'm actually surprised you didn't mention akadaka at all <laughs> well, <laughs> it, well the funny thing with, with acdc is that acdc was one of those bands that um it's i mean it's oh, i mean they're, they're so they're so popular they were, they were a part of like the lifestyle here in Australia. Like they were played on the radio. They were they were almost national anthems. You know, they were just yeah. songs that everybody knew, and you sort of just took them for granted. They, they weren't even like oh, it's a weird it's a weird thing to explain because when you hear something so much, you sort of lose track of what it is. Like when you hear your favorite album over and over and over again, you sort of just you lose the essence of it, and you have to leave it sit for a few years and then come back to it. And you go, oh, that's right, I, I remember why I like it. And I think ACDC were one of those bands where they were just so ingrained in culturally in our society. They were just mainstream radios on the TV. They were in TV ads, the music in the background, and they were just these anthems that were part of our our culture here. So I think they were probably indirectly influenced, um, you know, a lot of my love for music. But it wasn't until I really dug in deep into metal that I went back and you know, I think it might have been uh, ACDs. It might have been their No Bull um, live show. On uh, it was on VHS, and I bought it, and I paid like forty dollars Australian for it. It's just wow. ridiculous. So, like to, to pay to pay anything more than a dollar for a VHS these days is like crazy. But back then, you're paying like you know premium price for this. And I remember sitting at home, and I think that was recorded in Madrid in like '96 or something like that, or whatever. Um, Ball Breaker Tour or something like that. It was just, I remember watching that going, oh, wow. And now I get why ACDC is the band that everybody talks about and why so many metal, like my metal heroes, reference ACDC as being these these inspirational uh, musicians, these these groundbreaking artists that just changed the world for so many guitarists out there. So um, it sort of clicked later on, but it was just a weird band that uh, is just so ingrained into Aussie culture that you sort of just go, oh, yeah, like, I know, I know. Uh, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll and all that sort of stuff, you know, or <laughs> TNT or Dirty Deeds Under Cheap. Like, I knew the words before I even knew exactly what I was singing. So it was just uh, it was very, very weird, but um, definitely definitely an iconic band that, uh, that deserves a hell of a lot of credit. So just a quick thing, because you talked about, you know, GeoCities. That's what I want to say. Uh, <laughs> how were you kind of, like, consuming or... What was your form of like discovery music? I know you talked about, you know, uh, your peers in high school and stuff like that. But just for us, like, because Animation and I talked about it a lot and we keep talking about it, how we discovered music here in India. So I'm just very curious about how you were discovering music in Australia back then. Well, I think I think before the internet sort of really kicked off. I mean, the internet was massive. I mean, I think it was a game changer for so many people. Yeah. But I, the the tapes were were a big thing. 
um, people like we we just started to get CD burners, which were ultra expensive. So only a few people had them, and you had to pay so much money for those blank discs. So you would so one person in our class would be making all this money because they charge people like you know a couple of dollars a disc or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what songs do you want? And then they try to you know burn them off another CD or whatever. They get their their brother's collection. Or when you know Napster hit, then then it was like next level. It was crazy. The one of the things that sort of really defined sort of my discovery of music was was like the internet, where it sort of really I started to get into the depths of metal, like into a lot of the subgenres, deep into the sort of the North American and European scenes. Um, and I remember like yeah, websites like these GeoCities or Angel Fire, like really disgusting looking websites yeah, that just yeah. have these horrible hyperlinks and just these crazy GIFs and everything. And and they had like like there were uploaded MP3s to like through an FTP server or whatever. And and it was just a random mix of songs. And it was like stuff like Fear Factory, Bolt Thrower, Agalock was in there. Um Oh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. This is like right at the tail end of the 90s, like 99 or something like that. I was sort of halfway through high school. And um, like, and even stuff like Iced Earth and Nevermore and all that. And so I just thought, oh, I've never heard of any of these bands, but I've got the internet now and it doesn't cost me anything. So I'm just going to download these songs. And I burnt them all to a CD and just started listening to them. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what is this? And it was just this another chapter in my life where I like just got a little bit deeper than I was before when it came to, to heavy music. And and then it just it just continued to open up that rabbit hole where you just continue to discover more and more music. But you know, I did. The, I also going back a little bit. You know, you go to the record store. Like we were really lucky. I grew up in Brisbane, and we had some really amazing record stores back in the day where a lot of secondhand vinyl. And you just go in there, and I would just buy vinyl based on the album cover. I had no idea okay. what the music sounded like, so I bought Saxon's uh, "Rock the Nations" because the album cover looks so cool. And in hindsight, there was only about two or three decent songs on that album. There's some pretty, there's some shocking <laughs> songs on that album. But the, but the album artwork was incredible. I mean, I remember buying uh, Labyrinth's Return to Heaven Denied for two dollars in a in a in one of these record stores on CD, and it was just in this bargain bin because no one who who the hell in Brisbane would know an Italian power metal band. And so here I am just sticking <clears> through because I'm I'm cheap. And I'm buying all these cheap CDs, and I go labyrinth. Oh, that sounds that sounds a bit wanky. Oh, I'll get it anyway. And I went home and listened to it. And went, oh my god, this is really cool. And so there was a there was a lot of that as well, which was super exciting because it was just this discovery. It was like you know the Indiana Jones of of uh, of music, where you're just diving into these these labyrinths of music and treasures and hunting for for the gold and these these little rare items. And it's just a, a really fantastic time. Just to kind of fast forward things a bit, um, you currently play also the role of tour manager, social media guru for the band. And you talked a bit about the internet and you know how it, it had an impact on your life, discovering metal. Uh, what would you say would be the impact of social media on your life and also on the life of Lloyd? Uh, I, th I think that Social media is one of those hot topics where you've got people on both sides of the fence. There's there's the people out there that say it's the worst thing that's ever happened because it's 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 removed people from society and from normal interaction and human interaction. People are addicted and get stuck into their phones and all that. Um, and also, you know, 
fabricating their lives, putting like Instagram, you know, putting the, the best parts of their life for making the, their lives look more exciting than it really is. And and there's a lot of reality around that. But I think it's it's like we said before, like you you make you make the most of what you've got. And I think we've looked at social media and just seen the opportunities. And we've seen how people have used it badly and we've seen how people have used it in incredibly valuable ways. And so for us we've we've realized that We've always been a band that connects directly with the fan, which we call our friends, these people that support us through thick and thin, and it's a great way to keep in constant contact with them. You know, we'll do our best to try and respond or acknowledge every message that possibly pops up on any of the platforms. Um, You know, we're constantly interacting with these people, and I think that's a very important thing to do because if people feel like they're being heard and they feel like they're being acknowledged, then they support you. They want to, they want to be a part of what you do. And for us, we always, we always say, and it's very cliched, it's very cheesy to say, but the band is bigger than us in the band. Like the band is us plus everybody that's associated with this. It's you guys that are talking to me right now because you're contributing to us. You're, you're an extension of the band. It's this, this larger network of people that, all make up Lord and what Lord does and where Lord goes. So social media has been this amazing tool that we've done our best to take advantage of, and we're constantly trying to find ways to get better at doing it. So um, it can be very dangerous at times, and it can be, I mean, if you ask that same question to my wife, my wife might turn around (laughs) and say that uh, I am on my phone way too much and I might have a problem. (laughs) But if you you ask the guys in the band, they they say, oh, thank goodness Andy loves to use social media because we'd probably be stuffed without it. So it's um, it's a it's a great thing and I think it's it can there's a lot of benefits. And I think you just got to use it smart and you've got to be healthy with it as well. Cause I think that's a big topic now is people's health, mental health when it comes to this stuff. Um, it's a very these platforms are built in a way that feeds into people's addictive personalities. And that's a scary thing. But I think when you've got self-awareness, it's like anything in life, you know, you you're only you you're you're at your own mercy in your own habits and your own tendencies and if you've got self-awareness and you can you can mitigate and you can manage these things properly it's like alcohol and cigarettes and all these other things out there um everything's dangerous if you use it in the wrong way so um social media is another one of those things but you can definitely uh, make the most of it so it's helped a lot with the band it's helped a lot with um the album obviously with with this album um it's helped with the tour it's helped with connecting with people like you guys you know who would have thought you know our like the connections that i have with so many of you guys in india over the years is just crazy like i never would have thought of that you know and to have those relationships with you know so many guys like sahil and and you know riju and all those guys you know bringing albatross out to to australia several years ago as well they're just all these crazy things and it's just it's social media it's the internet it's that connectivity which is just it's it's amazing (laughs) so i'm just I'm, i'm just plain curious now how much time do you spend on social media in a day and would you say are you uh, would you say are you consumed by it? Well, I look, I, I look. It depends on the time of the day. Some days I would tell you that I'm absolutely not consumed by it, and other days I'd probably be on the verge of having a mental breakdown because I've had my face on my phone too much. But I've I've used um. I'm sure you guys have seen it. You know how you can track your usage on your phone if you've got yeah. an iPhone. Yeah. So yeah. I've started using that, and it starts to track my usage. And I've actually because I'm I'm a bit of a stat freak. I love looking at stats and analytics. So I've now sort of found a way of 
um, motivating myself to reduce my screen time. So it will say, you know, you've reduced your screen time by uh, 15% on last week. And I'm like, yes, as long as I'm going down, it's good. You know, and, and it sort of makes me more intentional. Like I find that I'm not scrolling mindlessly through yeah. Facebook or Instagram yeah. feeds now. If I get on these platforms, I go for a particular purpose, I get the job done and I move on. And there's a thing in, um, I don't know if it's on Facebook, but I know on Instagram there's a um, a little alert that you can put on for your activity and you can limit your activity yeah. per day. And I started like crazy. I had like an hour a day and I'm like, oh my God, an hour a day? Are you serious? And then gradually I brought it down 55 minutes, 50 minutes, 45 minutes. And I think I've got it down to like 20 minutes now. And even that's excessive. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a work in progress, but like anybody, like we get sucked into it and they're very smart people, these developers, because they, they feed into these tendencies. We all want to be acknowledged. We all want that interaction and we want that connection with people. And when you get those little notifications, there's that little dopamine hit and you go, oh, someone likes me. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, what, what are they going to say about me? So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it does consume me at times and uh, it's uh, it's always a constant uh, work in progress. So, all right, this is, the, I think, the last question we have on social media, but it's a little different one. So, mm. you know, Day by day, there's a new platform coming. There's TikTok, which is the new buzz, and everyone's kind of trying to figure it out and things like that. Uh, what are your tips or advice that you have for upcoming bands uh, on social media usage or how they should use these platforms? I think look, there's a couple of ways of approaching it because there's there's uh, there's several opinions of you know, when it comes to bands because I think. For me, I've always taken the approach of a blanket approach. I think I think there should be some form of presence on as many platforms as possible. But you always have your primary primary platforms. So for us, I mean, the main ones are Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I mean, more so probably Facebook than anything else, than Instagram, than, than Twitter. Um, but we've got profiles on a lot of these places. And I do need to go back and probably update a lot of this stuff because it's probably old and, and completely out of date. But... I think it's good to have something on all these profiles and to try and make the information on there as timeless as possible. So the so the platforms that you're using the most, then you obviously keep it quite relevant and up to date. But anything else that you're not using often, but you just want a little bit of presence, I think you just create almost like a uh, just a little little thumbprint you know just to say hey we exist here's a couple of songs and then some links back to your main website which is your portal page where you can you continuously update that and i think that's a very smart way of doing it because you just never know there'll be those tiktok users out there which i haven't even looked at yet i mean i'm, I'm so behind the eight ball at the moment but um i know i know of it everyone's talking about it. i just gotta well, i've got to find some time but um you know there'll be tiktok users there'll be snapchat users there'll be you know all these like periscope and all these different ones that have come and gone over the years and, you know, there will be particular people that are just on those platforms alone and they may never know that you exist. But if you've got a profile on there, then maybe just maybe you might connect with one of them. And you only need one person, one person who decides to become a diehard by everything that you've got or tell the person that they, they know, their friend, who then tells somebody else and you've got that chain reaction. So I think you shouldn't panic about trying to keep every platform up to date, but I think you should have something on there, some form of portfolio of, of a couple of songs or whatever, just to make sure that people know that uh, you you are a real thing. And uh, but um, you could you could be constantly chasing your tail with all these platforms. That's really sound advice. 
I'd like now to talk to Andy Dowling, the podcaster. Can I have Andy Dowling, the podcaster, on, please? You have Andy Dowling, the podcaster, here. <laughs> All right. Andy, what happens when millennials have a meaningful conversation? The answer, <laughs> a new podcast is born. <laughs> what happens when a millennial has an opinion? The answer, a new podcast is born. <laughs> so, so, the question to you, how shaft or bummed are you to see the podcast explosion happening right now? <laughs> I love it. Um, look, I'm actually quite pumped. I think it's, I mean, look, there's a, like anything, when something's exciting and, and flavor of the month and people think it's a good idea, then everybody jumps on, you know, it's everybody jumps on that bandwagon and you get a lot of crap. There's a lot of noise out there and, mm -hmm. um, and it makes it harder for people to discover stuff. It makes it harder to cut through the noise. There's a lot more competition in the sense that there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise to get through. Um, but looking at it from like a glass half full, like with a bit of sort of uh, like sort of more optimistic uh, view on it, it's exciting to see so many people out there just expressing themselves. So I think, you know, social media does a good job of that in, in some cases, but I think there's a, there's something really cool about voice, like being able to talk and for people to be able to sit down and listen into a conversation and just hear people talk freely. Um, I think it's just super cool. Even if it's just rubbish that people are saying and it's just absolute dribble that's coming out of their mouth, it's still something that's quite liberating. And I think there's something to be said about the free exchange of ideas and people being able to say what they want. And, you know, there's consequences, of course. You know, if people are saying stupid stuff, then, you know, they'll they'll cop it. But um, I think it's just a very exciting time. And for me, I, I, I try to encourage as many people to to start their own. I think you can have the most intelligent podcast in the world or you can have the dumbest podcast in the world. It doesn't matter. I think it's just, I think people learn a lot about themselves. And I'm sure you guys have gotten better as communicators, the way that you talk to people, because you've had to sort of learn, you know, how to how to talk to people in this particular format and watch conversation go and move and, and adapt and not just have a very stock standard Q&A type structure. Um, and I'm, I've personally, it's been a massive self-development tool for me. So um, I would say that I'm pumped more so than, uh, than frustrated with it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, we've talked quite a bit and I want to just wrap up with a few things and, Again, I want to talk to Andy, the podcaster, because one thing you might have noticed if you've been keeping your eye on the Indian scene is there's one particular Australian band that is massively popular here, and that's Carnival. Apart from ACDC, yeah. <laughs> apart, apart from ACDC is Carnival, because they just yep. played here so many times, and you know they had their label do a lot of push and stuff like that. So for all our Indian listeners, and of course other listeners around the world, which are the other Australian artists that we should be paying attention to or keeping an eye out for? Oh, man. Yeah, I think I think a really cool thing at the moment is that we, I don't think people realise in Australia, but I think we're going through a bit of a golden era for music. I think we've got a lot of iconic bands from the 70s and the 80s um, and even the early 90s in Australia that uh, that are just amazing bands that are internationally recognised. But um, I think we're going through a period now, especially with metal, where a lot of metal bands are getting out of Australia. They're, they're getting signed to, to large labels in Europe and they're doing European, North American tours. They're travelling through Asia. You know, bands are even coming, coming out to you guys in India and that's all opening up and it's super cool. Um, 
so i mean there's there's heaps of there's heaps of bands doing amazing things i mean some of the more recent stuff and you guys will know these bands but you know thy Art is murder re- released their album last week as well um they they beat us um on number one for the independent charts we were number two so they but uh, you know <laughs> Fair call. I, I can't. I can't argue with that one. They're they're massive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Disentune um, from Brisbane. I mean, they're fantastic. Sort of just absolute brutal death metal. I think. I think they. I think they use the word sloom, which I'm still like. I, I sound like such an old man. So I'm like, I don't understand these terms. But um, <laughs> they're they're awesome. They're just incredible musicians. Um, then you got the other end of the spectrum. You got like, um, you know, Voyager from Perth, who are just like this, this progressive sort of you know metal but also this progressive rock band that are just doing amazing things um and really making a lot of headway in europe in particular and also north america um there's a lot of classic metal bands um espionage uh, from melbourne are, are really cool they just did uh, headbangers open air in germany um hidden intent from uh, adelaide they're a thrash metal band very old school very metallica-esque in a way um, they just played that same festival as well um, we've got Lagerstein, which is just the ultimate cheesy pirate metal band that just love drinking beer out of shoes. Um, they've just been living in uh, Europe for the last six months, and they've, uh, I think they've just released their album, and they played Wacken. Um, and, oh, man, I'm, I'm just trying to think of heaps of Trollholgen, which are very sort of eclectic mixture of metal and rock and bits of Mr. Bungle and all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. Um, Toe Hider, which are a bit more rock um there's just so many bands. And then obviously we've got all that classic. Psychroptic is still there. They're still going amazing. King Parrot are doing amazing things as well. Um, there's just, it's a really, really exciting time. And I think everybody, like all of our peers, all of our friends that play in bands, and we've all been sort of playing shows together for, for decades, we're all looking at each other at the moment going, I think something's happening. I think, I think like, I think good things are happening at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think they really are. So it's 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 cool. It's it's exciting to see where it's all going. So um, and and a, and a great thing about this album, and I've, I've said this a few times um, over the past week, is I'd like to think, and without sort of blowing our own horn, so to speak, I would like to think that this album is putting not only a spotlight just back on heavy metal um, and celebrating heavy metal and just what what we all love about it, but it's also just putting a spotlight back on Australian metal. Um, it's hopefully just bringing more attention that's already there towards us in our country to say, oh, that Lord Band's pretty cool. Like, that album's really good. What else is there? You know, and hopefully through us they discover this mountain of amazing talent in this country, and I hope that we can help contribute in a way of, of bringing further awareness to, to our country and our bands. So um, I actually put together a Spotify playlist. I'll, um, I think you guys might already have it, but I'll, I'll give you a link, but it's got about a couple hundred, um, you know, Australian metal bands in there. So there's a lot of new stuff, there's old stuff, um, but it's just like bands that just, you know, have, have been doing amazing things over the, over the past several decades. And um, I'm a big, a big supporter of, of metal in this country. And uh, I just hope it continues on. Yeah. I'm actually already following it. So I'll definitely add oh, there that you go. to the show. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be doing that. So, when are Lord coming to India? When do we see you guys here? Oh, I, I know when... there'll be at least a dozen <laughs> fans, and I know who's going to be in the show <laughs> <out> already. <laughs> well, hey, if you come look, to Bombay, we'll just post you guys. We've had we've had a couple of really interesting offers over the years to come over to India, and it's usually been like those university um, festivals, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> they 
they're very weird. Like, man, they and like you start to look at what, what they're trying to propose, it just looks so unorganized. And you think, I've got a feeling I'm going to end up in some random airport in India without a connecting flight and just sitting there going, how do we get home? <laughs> so <laughs> we haven't we haven't taken up any of those offers, but I mean, I think I think yep. India is one of those places that we'd love to play. And I think it's like anywhere in the world. If we can find the right people to, to work with and we can we can make it work that makes sense for whoever's helping us in India, but also us as well, then we're all for it, man. Like we we I'm I'm personally so desperate to get over there and play. There's so many people I've uh, forged friendships with, um, even if it's just online, like digital relationships mm-hmm. uh, over the internet. But you know, some of the guys you know have been lucky to meet in person over the years as well. And I just love to connect uh, in person or reconnect and have a couple of uh, what do you guys have? Kingfisher beers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a have a couple of them. I don't know how good they are, but I'll I'll have a I'll have a couple of them and and uh, you know play a bit of metal for you guys. I I just love to I'd love to come over there. So hopefully we can find the right the right people and and hopefully make it happen soon. Just I think this is probably our last question. But what's next for Lloyd? What do you guys have another tour planned? A string of shows, one off shows, probably tour abroad. I'm not sure. Yeah, so I think sort of over the next couple of months, um, we're just going to go hard with with the promotions of the album. So we're doing a lot of marketing, a lot of PR stuff, um, a lot of that continued grassroots approach where we're just getting a lot of people power behind us. Um, we're going to do some more video clips. So there's more video clips coming soon. I've actually got, speaking of podcasts, I've got another podcast series that's going to be I can't really talk about it too much because I haven't finished it off yet, um, but hopefully within the month it'll be released, but it's going to be a bit of an extension of the album. It's going to be a way of uh, promoting the album in a very unique way, um, but a very short podcast series that I think people are going to be really excited about, especially metal fans. So um, I won't be able to say too much more, but um, <laughs> that's uh, one of the things. And um, and the touring will kick back off again probably in the new year, unless we get some amazing uh, support, you know, you know, some amazing band comes along and says, hey, Lord, do you want to play with us? And we go, yes, please. Um, apart from that, we probably won't um, get back out until uh, early in 2020. Um, and the way that we're sort of approaching this album is, we're going, we're not going to take, we're not going to do six years, but we're going to drag this out a little bit. We really want to give this album plenty of time to uh, reach as many people as possible. We're going to do as many video clips as possible. We're going to try and find lots of different ways to continue to highlight every single song on this album and connect with lots and lots of different people. So uh, from the social media point of view, um, hopefully people will be able to see lots of interesting things that we try. Um, Some things will work, some things will fail, um, but we are going to uh, just have a lot of fun with this album and just celebrate it for as long as we can without boring people, of course. We'll we'll keep it interesting. That sounds like a plan. All right, Lord Andy. uh... It's been great <laughs> chatting with you for the past hour or so, and I'm so glad you could take time out uh, to do this with us. Oh, guys, thank you so much for having me. And um, I've been listening to your podcast since it launched. I love what you guys are doing, and um, I'm just hoping that uh, you guys continue to have success. And it's just a, it's a pleasure to be on this podcast with so many amazing artists that you've already had on, and uh, great, to, great to actually have a really good conversation with you both. Well, that was a breezy chat. Yeah, man. It seemed like he was sitting in the room with us having a kingfisher, like he said earlier. <laughs> it was as simple as that. 
maybe maybe it's just the fact that his podcast ex- experience kind of rubbed off on us possible highly possible. possible but you know <laughs> it also is that andy's been doing this for a while i mean i was listening to his podcast andy social check it out for those uh, who haven't heard it before he's down to like 193 or 94 episodes we'll get there too maybe give us hopefully. a couple of years <laughs> yeah give us a couple of years well that's all she wrote on this episode of horns up yeah i think that that we should call the wrap it on this one yep so where can you find us on twitter i'm trend crusher i'm at asmani and if you want to reach out to the pod it's at horns up pod so until next time horns up horns up <laughs>